This is Killstreak. Leviathan, Lord of the Labyrinth, that is a tongue twister, and I am Eric Gosselin. This is Killstreak, episode, I don't know, 177, I think? Doesn't matter. Joining me here, as always, Mr. Mike Price. How you doing, Mike? I'm okay. I have... Uh, I'm okay. I have, <laughs> I have some new gear today to hopefully help with my audio a little bit. Yeah. So, Mike, we uh, spent, I'll say, too long. <laughs> figuring it out. I'm mean, not saying you did, but I'm saying as we yeah. as a team. One of the two things I purchased came broken out of the box, yeah. so that impacted the setup. Because I mean, I a, to... a big part of that was like, why is this not working? And then finally yes. figuring out, like, oh, it's fucking broken. Yeah, yeah, that's a fun thing to find out. I feel like your introduction today is like super personalized and i feel like people at home are going to be like "Ooh, he's talking about me because usually it's plural yeah, yeah, yeah. usually it's like hey cenobites or whatever but this time you were like leviathan this is and, for you yeah everybody's like i'm leviathan somebody who's a listener whose name actually is leviathan's gonna be like me <laughs> levi i go by levi <laughs> really funny if i mean we know a leviathan's my dad's name yeah i've known a couple levi's in my life just to know that if their mm-hmm. real name is actually leviathan <laughs> it's a family name that'd be pretty tight that'd be pretty tight sounds hey, like a cool a cool friend leviathan is a really good baby name it's better than like uh moving on i almost said something of somebody i know <laughs> the name of a person i know it's nothing it's, oh, it's uh i'll say it's nobody who is a friend of the show uh, i don't okay. think they listen but then i was like i don't need that on record <laughs> yeah. baby names are a real shit show right now it's tough when you name your baby after a piece of popular media you know what i mean yeah well yeah i mean but you created that problem for yourself no one should do that oh yes yeah yeah exactly but yeah that's that's what i was referencing in case you're like i don't know one of the friends who listens <laughs> <laughs> all right uh nobody panic eric so you don't have to edit i'm just going to tell everyone i'm adjusting my microphone so if you hear weird sounds that's why yeah it's fine it's okay fine. okay this feels better i keep turning away from the microphone and that's not it's good. okay can you see me i can see you so you know, like the when one eye is blocked, but yeah, the other yeah, one yeah. isn't. So, you, so uh, you're real weird. You're like I can half see you, and then I'm half looking at a giant pop filter. Yeah, net mesh. <laughs> we'll figure it out by next record. Oh, behind. Yeah. Uh oh. <sighs> as long as I'm not popping, it's worth it. Yeah. No, it sounds so, great. It, honestly, great. your um, your sound quality hasn't sounded better. Is that right? Okay. That's a phrase, right? It's never sounded it's never better. better. Yeah. There we go. Yeah. We figured. Hopefully, it out. those plosives are coming in smooth. Oh, they are smooth as butter. Nice. Um, I haven't really watched any uh, horror movies. Horror? Did I? No, no. We catch. We, uh, my wife and I, have been binging uh, the show I worked on. So we, most of our 
watching time is that's, spent doing that. That's most of what we've been doing over here too, Eric. Yeah. That's of course wrestlers on Netflix. Mm-hmm. It's not just for wrestling fans. I'll say it's a real crowd it's a real crowd pleaser as Greg Whiteley's uh shows typically are. So hey, give it a spin. It's very emotion it's a real emotional journey. Mm-hmm. And I'm only four sevenths of the way through it. Okay. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Uh, there's some uh, some really good stuff coming coming up the pike for you. Um, I fucking hope so. Because <laughs> right now it's really bottoming out. Um, <laughs> did you watch anything? No, no good horror stuff. Um, but I'm getting ready to really dive in. You know, I because of the podcast keeping me busy. In years past, I might have started my spooky season up in in September. But uh, nowadays, just out of self-preservation, I wait till October. But give it another two weeks, and uh, yeah. I'm gonna be up to my ankles in it. Same, same here. I, uh, I um, been, I've been debating like whether or not to start the spooky season. I haven't really broached that subject with my wife. We're, we're getting mm-hmm. there. I'll, I'll maybe Friday we'll watch something scary. Um, I do have a book that I read that I want to recommend. Um, okay. It's called The Har, H-A-A-R. It's a Scottish horror book uh, written by David Sodergren. Um, and it's a lot of fun. It's really quick. It's like a 200-page book. Um, I got it on, as an ebook. Uh, it's like the capsule um, synopsis is like – actually, well, I'll say that after. Uh, it's like an old lady who's – a Scottish old lady who's being pushed out of her longtime home. She's a widower by mm. a, an American billionaire who wants to build a golf course, uh, on her land. And, um, she happens to find a blobby little a blobby sea creature, a blobby, <laughs> a blobby and, um, like a shape shifting blobby sea creature. And okay. I'll say there is Hellraiser elements. Uh, and it's just a ton of fun. It's like, I'm, I'm, you know, it's a quick book, so you get to that stuff pretty quickly. So I'm not sure. like, really spoiling too much, but if uh, I, I recommend it, it's, it's just fun. It's not like you know, you're not gonna, it's not gonna change your life. I always, and I feel, I feel like I have to qualify things when I recommend it. It's just, it's just like a, a real fun book. If it's not gonna change my life, what's the? I'm not interested. You say my wife? <laughs> my wife? No, no. Thank God she stopped listening to this years ago. Um. So I don't really have to cover. No, I, I was just slurring my words because I'm. Uh, let's move on. Okay. Uh, let's move on. Um, so we're talking about Hellbound, Hellraiser Two today. I don't have a medical problem, just in case you guys thought that. No, that's we... what the slurring was about. <laughs> He's drunk as a skunk. <laughs> just kidding. Was... Hellbound, Hellraiser Two. What were you saying? This is the movie we're covering. That's the movie we're covering today. The second in the Hellraiser series. You can tell by the number two in the title yeah it is an interesting choice to call it hellbound hellraiser 2 and not hellraiser 2 hellbound it is and i feel like it's a really micro it's like a micro genre of movies that adopt that sort of um sequels where you know the the subtitle comes before or i guess yeah like the post colon colon or reverse you know like we would do a reverse colon exam yeah, I'd be reaching into your throat is uh, okay that's less disgusting than i guess what i was thinking about so. be coming out of it 
something like that. Yeah, uh, yeah. I don't know. That'd be appropriate for the for the movie. Yeah, it's uh similar to some great horror. It's better to let the mind, you know. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Kind of imagine what it will, and instead of describing in too much detail. Um. Yeah, so it's uh do you have any in- insight into why they did that in your research or no? It's just that that's just the way it is. I do not and I'll say it was difficult, uh, nigh on impossible for me to find. Guess what? This is fucked up. Remember last week when I was like this documentary called Leviathan mm-hmm. about Hellraiser 1 and 2 is 4 hours long. Yes. Was, you remember that? I was wrong. The part about Hellraiser 1 is four hours long. Shut the fuck up. There is a second three-hour uh, part covering Hellbound, Hellraiser 2, which I also couldn't find. Uh, but even if I had... Oh, my God. I wouldn't have watched it. Because I got to say, I watched more of the original one, and I've decided it's not very good. <laughs> yeah. Hey, Leviathan, uh, making of Hellraiser, I have notes. <laughs> Get some trim notes for you, baby. <laughs> Just to, get like, that thing bring down, in an editor. Oh my god, right? that's too yeah. long. I dare say that is too long for a behind the scenes of Hellraiser uh, yeah. documentary. Four hours on one movie is well, and the thing is, is it's not like propulsive or anything. It's like such a scatter shot. Like it's like it barely has a structure. Anyways, we appreciate the folks who put it together. Um, but no, that's a long way of saying I don't know why it's called Hellbound colon hellraiser 2 um but uh but during the break maybe i'll try to think up some more movies that have that same structure in their title because it is kind of fun yeah um yeah but um i don't know what do we you know what do do you guys want to know at home what do you what do you what do you want us to talk about about the making Uh, of the movie making the movie okay yeah we can do that i just want to say that that you know the door's open we can do whatever um okay you know, but it, if that's what people like then i guess we can do that we can talk about um, um hmm uh you know the, i was a little disappointed uh i wanted to see talking the uh talking heads movie uh stop making sense in theaters uh a24 yeah. re-released it and i thought it'd be in theaters for a bit but it seemed like it's only for like one night or one week i don't know i completely missed it and then yeah a movie theater i bet it'll come Come back. I hope so. Um, and then uh, a movie theater near us tonight um, is showing it, and the whole band is there. So that would have been nice, but it sold out almost immediately. And uh, okay. yeah, so that's what I wanted okay. to talk about. I don't, uh, you know, but we can move on that's to the pretty, making. Of... Okay, okay. Now we'll go to that part. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah. I get. Yeah, okay. Um, so this movie was made very quickly. Um. In the wake of the release of Hellraiser in 1987, um, Pinhead in particular blew the fuck up. Um, people were super hyped on Pinhead. Um, and, like, all the publicity stills and posters and then, like, Halloween costumes. And, you know, it only took one movie, but, you know, Pinhead kind of was like, hey, that's Pinhead. You know, people are like, fucking yeah, Pinhead. Eric, say pinhead. Pinhead. Okay, cool. I just didn't want to feel. <laughs> you know, you're feeling self. I feel like I'm on an island here. Sorry, yeah. I was listening. 
say just just say pinhead too. Pinhead. Okay? Um, thank you. So, um, from what I could gather, Clive Barker was never planning to direct this. Mm-hmm. Um, he stayed on as an executive producer, and he wrote the story. Okay. Which was then adapted by uh, Peter Atkins, who was a friend of Barker's. Um, kind of came from that. I think he came from the same the dog company, the theater company. Mm-hmm. Um, but they had they had known each other for quite a long time. So adapting a screenplay a screenplay adaptation of, of Clive Barker's continuation of his original story. Um, this one, to the best of my knowledge, does not exist in print unless there's. You know, there very well could be one of those um, novelizations that came after uh, the fact, yeah. but oh, but this isn't. Yeah, go ahead. Oh, I do want to briefly interrupt to say my spooky season. I got my reading planned out. I bought, or uh, some of it. I bought uh, a collection of the first four books of blood. Oh, the fun. Clyde Barker. So yeah, I'm gonna start chipping That's away exciting. at those after I finish cool. the new book I just started. I think, and and I think if I'm not mistaken, that Harry Demore shows up in those for the first time. Mm. So you could you could get a little background before we maybe watch a little Harry Demore movie in a, in a couple of weeks. Mm-hmm. Lord of Illusion yeah. is that the one? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 We, Bacula, baby. Bacula. Man, I fucking love Scott Bacula. Yeah, I sometimes uh, to <laughs> you, you make your wife call you back. Yeah, no, I watched the. Uh, is it the finale of Twin Peaks? Twin Peaks. What the fuck am I saying? Quantum, Quantum Leap. Leap um, where he, there's one episode where he, he he leaps into a developmentally disabled uh, fella. Oh, that's early. That's, that's early. Like season, okay, yeah. That's like season two, <laughs> late season two, I think. And yes, has, he has a choice line before the exactly, uh, opening credits. Before the credits. And it's <laughs> I have it saved as a gif. On oh, really? <laughs> it's uh, pretty yeah. funny. I mean, it's funny yeah. in a way that it's like it's really not funny and it shouldn't yeah, be funny. Yeah, it's really it's it's inappropriate and tasteless, and it's funny to laugh at how yes, exactly. insanely t- tasteless it is. Exactly. That's that's why we think it's. Funny. I think it's funny because things have changed so much that that made yes. network TV and yes. it's kind of like how uh, not to go off too much of a tangent. No, whatever. No. That's what this podcast is. It is like Thirty Rock doing a. Podcast doing blackface you know it's like yeah that wow. wasn't that long ago <laughs> yeah but i mean i also like i remember when they did that and i wasn't like outraged or anything no but i do remember kind of just going huh, huh. that's that's a big choice yeah it's like <laughs> even if you have the best intentions or you're like not right. a racist person you still mm-hmm. can't do that it, yeah 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 things things change pretty quickly especially comedy yeah Comedy, yeah, seriously, comedy, comedy ages like fine milk. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, but yeah, so it's even more impressive when you when you watch an old movie that's still funny. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm trying to think if there are any, probably not. Um, I mean, I watched uh, uh, Rear Window, um, in theaters, in the theater, sure. and that was. Still very, I mean, it's like, you know, it's not outwardly, it's not a comedy, but there's comedic yeah. elements and it's pretty funny. Like, You know, I was actually, you know, I was talking, I think a, a week ago, I went to lunch with co-executive producer of 
wrestlers, Adam, friend of the podcast. Oh, yeah. And, and we got to talking about Kubrick a little bit. And uh, I, I would say that Paths of Glory is a movie that I think is actually really funny mm. and pretty far ahead of its time. I've never seen um, Paths of Glory. Oh, you should check it I out. Know, you love it. I it's, know. it's short. It's it's very biting in its satire, but it's also like a really it's Kubrick. It's yeah. a, it's a well done movie. Yeah, Kirk Douglas is fun. Yeah, for some it's reason weird. that and the killer uh, or the killers um, are two killing, or, killing. killing killing the two mm-hmm. early Kubricks. I just haven't seen the killer. That's the new Fincher. I it think. is. Yeah, that's why I got confused. Yeah, who's the who's the the titular killer? Fassbender. Not to be confused with The Hitman, Linklater's new movie, which just got acquired by Netflix. Or The Hitman's Bodyguard. No, don't Um, get confused with that one. That's a Do not get it confused. Is that a Ryan Reynolds movie? Yeah, I think so. And Samuel L. Jackson. He did it. Yeah. Two guys who are very discriminating in what they appear in. So you know that the the quality is gonna be there. Um (laughs) it's it's if you get if you get Ryan Reynolds and Sam Jackson on your project, you got something special. Yeah. Um, <laughs> These those guys a are mar- a Marvel movie. They don't do um, anything. No. Okay. So back to Hellbound, Hellraiser two. Um, colon in the written title, but not on the poster. So, like I said, Barker was never going to direct this. So the director, as we hinted at last week, is a guy named Tody Randall. Uh, or Randell. We still don't know. And we'll never know. There's no way no. to know. Why would we? Um, Why would we look it up and be fucking stupid? Yeah. We, you, you know what? If you guys want to start a Patreon so we can pay a researcher, you let us know. Let us know. Um, yeah. In the comments. Um, yeah. Are there comments? Do we have any comments? No. no. On Instagram. Yeah. Let us know in the Instagram comments. Yeah. Uh, Scott will shout let us Scott. know. <laughs> Anyways. Um, so Tony Randall was a production executive at New World Pictures. Or was this Concord? I forget. I think, I think we're it's Concord New World. now. No, it's New World. Yeah. Okay. So New World Pictures. Um and yeah, the yeah, I read an interview with him in between last week and this week. And he was basically saying that, you know, on Hellraiser, what prompted the the initial sort of trip out from the execs was some dailies, I guess, that they didn't like. Um, and that didn't turn into much. But after that initial wave of executives, <clears throat> Tony Randall went and and stayed, essentially. Um, and from all, you know, from all the sources that I can tell, he stayed in part because he had a, a good working relationship with the crew and with Clive Barker and, and actually was there in a capacity to help get them more money to do certain scenes, um, including Frank's uh, rebirth coming out of the floorboards mm. in particular mm-hmm. um, was something that they had originally not been budgeted to do. And that was something that he basically set up when he was in London or somewhere in England, London, merry old London. Oh ah, yeah. Um, and so cheerio. Yeah. Chap- he he was pretty involved creatively in the production of Hellraiser. And so this is his first directing gig. Um his certainly first feature. Um 
as far as what he's done since this, um, a handful of things. Uh, he works on the story for Hellraiser 3, which we will talk about next week. Uh, he directed a movie, uh, a Corman movie that I've never seen, but I have seen the poster and box cover for many times. Ticks. Oh, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. You know that one? I, um, yeah. I think I watched part of it. I rented it, uh, and I don't know okay. if I ever finished it. Yeah. So he did Ticks. He did a live-action adaptation of Fist of the North Star. Oh, my God. Um, which is a weird thing that to do. That is weird. It's like the live-action uh, Guyver with Mark <laughs> Hamill. Yeah. I've never seen those either, and I've always been pretty curious. I loved the anime Guyver, and then I went mm-hmm. back and very stoned one night. was like, I got to find it. And I found it on like YouTube <laughs> or something, and I was like, oh, this sucks. <laughs> it's not good. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah, not totally shocking. And he he also directed an Amityville sequel. So this was his first feature directing gig, but it wasn't his last. So that tells you that he wasn't a complete and utter failure. Um, So, like I said, writing by Peter Atkins. As far as the crew and the cast, and a lot of people returning. Uh, Same cinematographer, Robin Vigin is his name. V-I-D-G-E-O-N. Like, I assume it rhymes... Maybe it rhymes with pigeon. It's just like vigin. Vigin. Vidian. What do you think? Vigian. Vidion. 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 There's a commercial. Google, not you, Mike, but wet pets. Wet pets. Fuck, what's the... Uh, what? Is a commercial. Uh, like, like a public access commercial for, for a pet store called wet uh-huh. wet pets and he rhymes something with scorpions <laughs> is it a real pet store yeah <laughs> called wet pets yeah. <laughs> uh let it's me see weird yeah it's it's really it's a it's a bop yeah wet pets um that's really strange san pablo kind of... wet pet san pablo maybe i'll play it <laughs> Maybe I'll play the it fuck? in the show. Yeah, point. play it in between the second <laughs> and the third segment. Yeah, there'll be no score. Um, I think it's the same score. Yeah, anyway, or similar. Okay, great. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. There's some new, you know, grace notes and stuff. But yeah. Um. So the DP returns. The production designer returns. A guy named Mike Buchanan. And I did. I felt bad last week, so I do have the name of the special effects lead. His name is Jeff. I'm gonna say Portis. Mm-hmm. Um. However, it is spelled like port ass. So um, I don't know. Look at old port ass coming down the way. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. But uh, yeah. So he was uh, in charge of effects on the first and this one. And I think he had a much bigger budget for this one. Seems Um, that way. Yeah. In general, the budget for this movie was significantly higher. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, we go from like 1 million to, they wouldn't really say how much, but it seemed like maybe five to $7 million, Hmm. something in that neck of the woods, maybe even approaching double digits, but I don't think so. I think we're talking single digit millions. Okay. Um, but again, the information it's hard to find. It's hard to track down. What year was this? You th- probably said it. I didn't hear. This is nineteen eighty-eight. It's the next year. Eighty-eight next year. Okay. Um, yeah, it's I believe fourteen months later. Yep. Fourteen or eighteen, one of those two. It's a multiple. It starts with a one, and then the second digit is a multiple 
a four. Okay. Um, so fair enough. You know, yeah. Again, we can't, we can't really be checking on these things right now. Uh, we got to keep moving forward. Uh, cast wise, Ashley Lawrence is back as our sort of de facto lead. Kirsty Cotton, uh, Claire Higgins, as you were guest saying, Eric, how is Claire going to, or I should say, um, Claire's the actress's name, Julia. How is Julia going to return? Back. You have some answers. I do. Now. Very. Yeah. She comes back very memorably. Yes. I would say. Um, and uh, your Cenobites, we are three for four on returning Cenobites. Um, so obviously Doug Bradley is playing Pinhead and will continue to for quite some time. Um, the Chatterer still being portrayed by Nicholas Vince. An interesting piece of trivia on this. He early in the production, uh, he could not see mm-hmm. out of the Chatterer mask because it doesn't have eyes. So it makes a certain amount of sense. Yeah. Um, but in part because of his uh, lack of vision, he caught a hook on his jaw uh, from, you know, the spinning, the kind of like spinning uh-huh. deal with hooks on it. One of those got him in the jaw, um, which was not chill. So he requested that they put eyes into the chatter mask, uh, which if you're paying close attention towards the end of the movie, he does appear with eyes. You don't see his eyeballs, but like big eye sockets. Uh, whereas in the first half of the movie, he does. Oh, interesting. I didn't catch uh, that, actually. Yeah. And that's why. And also, this may come as a big shock, Eric, but um, horror fans were unhappy about that. What? They made their voices heard. Um, <laughs> Are we talking about horror fans? <laughs> Horror fans, yeah. Wow. You know, the internet didn't barely existed back then, I, so I'm going to guess they were a little more civil. I would say horror fans are as vocal with what they're unhappy with, uh, second only to wrestling fans. <laughs> <laughs> Hardcore wrestling fans, yeah. if you happen to a have... A little bit of crossover. Yeah, if you happen to have a, I don't know, TV show that tries to appeal to a broad audience about wrestling, uh-huh. some... Uh, major nerd wrestling fans might get sure. up in arms about certain things. <laughs> yeah. What if, God damn it. These fucking people, <laughs> fucking people. Wrestling is for us. Don't introduce more people. to yeah. Um, and, uh, Simon Banford returns as butterball. Um, I, how, I mean, that's not the official yeah, yeah, name, yeah. right? Uh, it I mean, the official name, it becomes official. Man. Yeah. I mean, Lazier, it's not, only it's not other lazier one is female Cenobite. <laughs> well, I was just about to get that to that. Certainly the laziest. Yeah. And perhaps not coincidentally, the only one of the Cenobites not to return. So uh, fem- female Cenobite, as she is credited, uh, was played by Grace Kirby in the first film. Mm-hmm. And this time, female Cenobite is played by Barbie Wilde. Um, yeah. So I don't know, but you know, she's got a cool, cool name. It is a cool name, but yeah, like with Butterball, it's just not a very scary name. It's just my series trying to talk to me. Any any uh, other name would have been better than Butterball. Theme. Yeah, but I, you know what though? I think it's kind of fun, you know. And I don't love. I don't love. I think he's a little fat phobic as a character. Um, but I don't know. There's something kind of cute 
not cute. <laughs> just like kind of silly. Yeah. Silly in a light way yeah. about Butterball. Uh, anywho. And then our big addition to the cast, there's two of them. Um, William Hope it plays Kyle. And I'm interested to know, Eric, did you recognize William Hope? No. He's got a weird face. He does. Um, he looks almost... Is he the... Uh, he's like the David Harbury looking guy, right? Well, I had not thought about it like that. He does have a square jaw. That's for sure. He, to me, he had David doing. Harbour uh, energy in the, in the thing. Okay. Wait, is he's the doc? Not the, is he the evil doctor? No, he's the good. Doctor. Okay, that's what I thought. Well, he's not the good yeah. doctor. That yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, he seems to be neurotypical. Um, he has appeared on our podcast uh, once before. Oh, I see. Oh God, why are you look? I, it's fun it's when enough. I get to tell you this stuff. Okay. You're looking it up. Yeah, because you quiz well, me on these things like a fucking. I'm not quizzing. I already did the quizzing. Quiz you already master. failed the quiz. Now <laughs> I was gonna give you the fun part of like the reveal, the prestige. Um, <laughs> oh, because I was looking at yeah, the picture of him, and there was like redditors. Yeah, he's an alien. He, he, yes, he's an alien. He plays the cowardly Lieutenant Gorman, yeah. who who does redeem himself in the end in one of the best, one of the best deaths in the movie where he and Vasquez pull the, the pin the on grenade a grenade together that is. and uh, blow up a, a hallway full of yeah, aliens. Yeah, it's an amazing, um, amazing death. His first two roles uncredited in Poltergeist and Scanners. So wow. he's he's got a little bit of a horror pedigree. Well, sounds like we'll probably be talking about him again at some point I mean, probably not actually <laughs> i can't yeah, imagine I so. talking about an uncredited person in poltergeist now we could cover the thomas and friends franchise there are seems like he did a lot many. of many <laughs> yes he's, he's done a lot of voice acting in the last 20 years um you know what he was also no, i i'm wrong he's been on our podcast twice apparently he played a sheriff in the uh, netflix texas chainsaw massacre oh okay um hmm. a movie that I forgot very quickly, but now that I'm being forced to think about it, in my head I am like, what? I think we gave that a really bad review, but also I think it's probably better than like half the stuff. No, I think we were both this. like, it's not as bad as we thought it was going to be. Okay. Yeah. Good. Good. It was like I'm almost. That... It like I think we rated it higher than like Texas Chainsaw Massacre three. Yeah, I mean, I think that's that seems about right, or they would be yeah. right neck and neck with each other. Yeah. Um, but that's a different franchise. We're talking about old Hellraiser. Um, the movie was, uh, a, I mean, it wasn't like a smash hit. It obviously didn't kill the franchise either. It made about $12 million at the box office, but one, you, one has to imagine that it, it recouped perhaps even more than that on the home video market. Yeah. Um, oh yeah. Yeah. And it kind of an interesting thing about this movie so it was heavily censored by the MPAA. The MPAA had them cut seven minutes wow. out of their first submitted cut. Um, and, you know, they did and they and it had its theatrical run. And then very quickly uh, it was replaced on home video by an unrated version. And that's basically all that exists anymore so okay, it's sort good. of so we didn't watch yeah it's any. like the opposite of what you usually expect where it's like oh no they 
they basically phased out the R-rated version as soon as it was on home video. It's like the opposite of Bad yeah. Lieutenant, a movie that we yeah. talk, we talked about. Yeah, we got to see that Kaitel doll. Yeah. Um, do I have anything else? I think that's pretty much it. Um, yeah, the, you know the main thing, the stated goals of the filmmakers Barker and Tony Randall and Peter Atkins was you know more or less they wanted to expand Mm -hmm. right they um they were less interested in uh a cookie cutter sequel and repeating what they had done the first time and and their goal was to sort of broaden the world of hellraiser um do you think they succeeded well we'll find out right after the break The vision is renewed. The power is reawakened. The fear is reborn. Because they have returned. Hellbound, Hellraiser 2. Brace yourself for terror you have never imagined. And your suffering will be legendary even in hell. And horrors you can never escape. And you wanted to know. Now you know. Last year, they brought hell to earth. Now, they'll take you through hell. Hellbound, Hellraiser 2. Time to play. In the past, British military officer Elliot Spencer is transformed into the Cenobite Pinhead after opening the Lament configuration. Shortly after her father is killed by Frank Cotton, Kirsty Cotton is admitted into a psychiatric hospital, interviewed by Dr. Chenard and his assistant Kyle McRae. She tells her account of the events and pleads with them to destroy the bloody mattress that her murderous stepmother Julia Cotton died on. After hearing Kirsty's story, Dr. Chenard, who is secretly obsessed with the lament configuration, has the mattress brought to his home and convinces a mentally ill patient to lie on it and cut himself with a straight razor. The resulting blood frees a skinless Julia from the Cenobite dimension, and she subsequently consumes the mental patient for energy. McRae, having snuck inside Trenard's office to investigate Kirsty's crime, witnesses the event and flees in terror. Kirsty meets a young mute patient named Tiffany, who demonstrates an amazing aptitude for puzzles. Later that night, Kirsty is awakened in a room by a vision of who she believes is her skinless father, who tells her in writing that he's in hell and asks her to help him. McCray arrives back at the hospital and informs Kirsty he believes everything is true. 
the two decide to return to the to Chenard's house. Meanwhile, Chenard, seduced by Julia, has brought more mentally ill patients to his home for her to feed on and regenerate. Kirstie and McRae arrive at Chenard's home. McRae is killed by a now fully regenerated Julia, and Kirstie is knocked unconscious. Chenard and Julia kidnap Tiffany and force her to unlock the Lament configuration so they can enter the labyrinth-like world of Pinhead in the Cenobites. The Cenobites momentarily spare Tiffany when Pinhead states that she was not responsible for solving the puzzle. It was Chenard's desire. In Hell, the entity Leviathan, in the shape of a gigantic elongated diamond, rotates in space above the labyrinth, shooting out black beams, which make Chenard remember some of the atrocities he committed. Did you say black beans? <laughs> I said black beams, but, but maybe I said black beans accidentally. Black, black beams and rice? All right, cool. Mm, Keep going. I mean, I'm pretty hungry. <laughs> Julia calls Leviathan the god of flesh, hunger, and desire, the lord of the labyrinth. Kirstie, who now possesses the lament configuration, follows them in. Pinhead and the other Cenobites find Kirstie and tell her she's free to explore. Julia betrays Chenard to Leviathan to be turned into a Cenobite. As Chenard screams during the procedure, Julia reveals that she has a mission to bring souls to Leviathan, including Chenard's. Kirstie encounters Frank Cotton in the labyrinth, who reveals that he tricked her by pretending to be her father. Julia appears and destroys Frank in revenge for killing her, allowing Kirstie to escape. Julia is then killed by a vortex that opens up within the labyrinth, leaving only her skin behind. Kirstie and Tiffany reconnect and attempt to escape, but are ambushed by Chenard, who has now become a Cenobite. The girls flee and encounter Pinhead and his Cenobites. Kirstie shows Pinhead a photograph of Spencer that she took from Chenard's study, and he gradually remembers that he was human. The other Cenobites remember that they were human also. Suddenly, Chenard appears and beckons Tiffany, who regains her ability to talk. Pinhead and the other Cenobites attempt to fight them, but Chenard easily overpowers and kills them all. Before being killed, Spencer exchanges a poignant glance with Kirstie. Chenard traps Kirstie and Tiffany. Kirstie finds Julia's skin and wears it to distract Chenard, giving Tiffany enough time to once again solve the lament configuration. Chenard is killed, and the door to hell is finally closed. The girls leave the hospital. Elsewhere, two moving men are removing Dr. Chenard's belongings from his home. One is pulled inside of the mattress, and the other witnesses a mysterious pillar rise from within. One of the faces fused to the pillar is the vagrant from the previous film, which asks the man, What's your pleasure, sir? There you have it. I don't think it's actually that mysterious of a pillar. I think it's a, it's the pillar we've seen many times. Yeah, uh, it's it's the one that is even in yeah. this one earlier. Yeah, earlier. Um, okay, before we jump into it, uh, there's something stupid that I need to do for the ten people for the benefit of the 10 people who were raised in Wisconsin. Mm-hmm. Um, save big money at Chenard's. <laughs> uh, there's the, the big like Lowe's Home Depot competitor in Wisconsin is called Menards. Um, oh yeah. I've heard of Menards. Yeah. And Menards. You, you said Chenard's so many times. There was a lot of possessives. <laughs> so it was like, even it's not just Chenard, it's Chenard's. Um, yeah. 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 
Yeah, at Menards. Nice. I've heard because uh, 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 whatever it doesn't matter. I've heard of Menards. <laughs> <laughs> Tell us how. What were the circumstances? Uh, never not funny. They talk about it a lot. Uh, okay, a po- cool. a podcast. Cool, cool, cool. Jimmy Con- Jimmy Carter. What the <laughs> fuck is wrong with me, guys? You mean you mean Jimmy Con? Jimmy Con. Uh, Jimmy Pardo is from Chicago. Is what I was trying to say. Okay, blood and guts check, uh, Mike. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I guess you know. Typically, this is my first watch, so I guess I'll go first. I if guess. you're if you're up for it, yeah, um, yeah, because I mean, I, mine's gonna be painted by a lot of context from previous viewing experiences. So yeah, let's hear your fresh take. I'll say my fresh take. Uh, watching this movie, which I I realize I'd only seen. Um, when Julia and Tiffany enter the uh, Cenobite dimension, enter hell, okay. Uh, okay. that that was what I had seen before. Like, Got it. Kind of like that. It was like 15 minutes or something like that. Sure. A lot of hell stuff. Yeah. I think this movie slaps. <laughs> I really, I, I, uh, I really it did enjoy it. And I think it's like visually pretty stunning. Um, and kind of all throughout, I was really into it uh mm-hmm. yeah yeah that's my my just kind of my bare bones blood and guts check i i really enjoyed my time with hellbound hellraiser 2 to the point where i'm like i'm a fucking idiot for not really watching <laughs> these earlier because <laughs> i'm liking both of them you know what i mean it always surprised me when you were like i'm not really a hellraiser person yeah i don't know what I- you know, but I'm, I mean, it makes sense that it's like that wasn't a, a judgment based off a lot of having watched them. It was just right. like an overall feeling you had. Um, I mean, it's kind of the same reason. Like, have you ever seen any of the Saw movies? Like, that, yeah, those are blind I spots. First, I saw the first three, I think. Okay. Saw movies are blind spots for me. Um, and like Hostel, like the torture porn stuff from like the early 2000s. Yeah are all blind spots for me because I just like was like took a hard stance against them for mm, some reason. Yeah. And now I'm like, I should probably watch the Saw movies. But like also the curse of the podcast is that like, well, I probably shouldn't because at some point we might cover them. Or we could just watch them now and not have to cover them. We That's have a good excuse point. to not do it. I oh, sorry. Yeah. I just watched them. That's a good point. That's a good point. Or we could just do them next. I don't know if we want to go back to back on like nine movie series. No, I do not want to do that. Sure? I do not want to do that. I mean, there is a new one coming out, so yeah, yeah, there is. Um, cool. What about you? Well, um, well, let me share this first, which is less of like a critical thing and more just something interesting. So, you know, telling the story of my introduction to this movie last week had me kind of thinking about that while I was setting down to watch this, and I don't know if it was because. We were scared, or I think if my memory serves, it was more like my friend, his name was Boris. He was Russian. Um, it's not a joke. He really was named Boris. Um, it's okay. I know a Russian Boris. Okay, cool. Yeah, it's like Steve. Um, I think his parents came home, and we had to shut off the movie. And watching it this time, I'm like, oh, yeah, I think all of my super formative memories of this movie are from the first half hour, I would say. Mm. Um, Basically, I think everything feels so fundamentally familiar to me until about the time that Kyle breaks Christy out of the hospital and they show up at 
Chenard's house. Yeah. And then all of a sudden it starts to feel a lot more novel where I'm like, oh, yeah, I didn't really remember this part and that part. and that. So and I don't know if this is that bias showing, but I think this whole movie is cool and entertaining. Um, it is frequently a little sloppy. Um, but I feel like for a bit of the, of the early going, like maybe two thirds of that first 30 minutes, it is, it's like closer to a higher class of movie before it then comfortably sort of recedes into, um, just sort of creative, crazy, uh, entertaining, um, but there's something about those first like 30 minutes that that feels more akin to some of the stuff in the first movie that's like it's not quite profound but it feels like very connected to something primal and something like a little bit deeper yeah i don't know hmm. does that make sense i uh, i it makes sense what you're saying but i disagree in that okay. like i found almost the opposite to be true although i mean i really like the first 30 minutes but like for me the movie really sings when we get to hell and i love like the like the mc escher-esque design of like the labyrinths and yeah mm-hmm. leviathan i think is a fucking cool it's almost reminds me of like neon genesis evangelion of like the <laughs> angels are all like these yeah strange things and the, i don't know I, I was just really into the whole vibe but I do. Um, I was thinking of like, what does Mike think about this movie? Because <laughs> it's like a, it's like a meta thing that I always think when I watch these. Oh and, no! And, and I could see um, the more abstract. I don't want to say abstract. It's not like we're watching an art film here. But like the mm. more abstract things connecting less for you. But for me, it was like tickling my imagination mm. in the way that like an H.P. Lovecraft story or or. So, you know, one of those things, like one of those cosmic horror kind of things, like really gets me going. So you're just sort of trying to paint me as like a kind of superficial rube uh, who <laughs> doesn't really appreciate no, no, but abstract I, I mean, art. No, I mean, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, okay. it's, it's funny because I would almost say not the opposite. But I think that if there's places where it struggles, it's in not embracing the abstract enough. It's like this mm. the, the vestiges of trying to have this connected to a plot, right? Where, like, especially kind of like, you know, all once once they're into the labyrinth, there are there are a handful of things that feel like there could be half the dialogue here and it would still not only make sense, but it would maybe feel even like a little bit more Mm. interesting. Um, Maybe so uh, in that might be a product of also seeing it a bunch, like seeing it way more mm -hmm. than I have. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's hard for me at this point to like, give like a real judgment on like what that specific criticism. Cause mm. I think like the first time you're watching it, you just, you just kind of, I was just kind of like along for the ride. Uh, yeah. Which is often the case 
even when I'm like giving notes on something I'm like working on, I have to watch it. I usually watch things twice. Right. Um, uh, but that's not to say that my criticism isn't valid. Cause I think it is. Um, <laughs> but, <laughs> but yeah, I, I guess, I guess I see what you're saying, but I don't know that I agree. Um, I, I didn't, I, or at least I didn't feel that way. I guess my simpler criticism would be that at least in comparison to the previous movie, that the script is sometimes lacking, like mm. the set pieces, the ideas, the concepts that are pulled off on screen, even like scene to scene, I think it's awesome. But then as a whole, it's it's best if you don't um, look too closely, right? It works better if you don't like think too hard about the plot. Like for, and, Like what, for example? I mean, okay, so just an easy example would be like, Dr. Chenard, um, his history with, with all this stuff is really cool. It's an interesting wrinkle. It's also totally nonsensical that this puzzle box that Frank brought from seemingly like Morocco or something. Oh, sure. Just like the guy who has all the other puzzle boxes runs the psychiatric hospital. That is the closest to Kirstie's house. Yeah. uh, Kirstie. Yeah. 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 That's, that's totally, that's totally valid. Yeah. Yeah. So it's just like things like that where it's, it's almost, that would have made more sense if he sought her out. You know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. If he like read a newspaper article yeah. about it and it's like, oh, and yeah, like, all of I'm Dr. Chenard. I'll be taking yeah. over here from now. Kirsty, we've transferred you to our hospital because blah blah. Exactly. Blah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's that is that is fair. Uh, and yeah. when I said example, I didn't mean to put you on the spot. Mm-hmm. I just mean, I was... No, and and so I'll also say, you know, I think plot like script wise, I think engineering the showdown between the Chenard Cenobite and the, in the OG Cenobites is a, is an exciting and, and cool way to end the movie. But I think that it, at points mm. it feels like, like it kind of feels like the end of just like a, like an action movie where it's like, you know, mm-hmm. he's, he's, he's throwing out all these one liners and it's, you know, now it's him against them. And, and it's, it, it, it yeah, it's the yeah, kind yeah. of thing where, you know, the original movie felt it feels really adult right yeah the first one would you agree with that yeah yeah i'm sure that's yeah definitely one of the things I saw and i think this one starts to indulge like a teenage audience a little bit more which i don't think is a bad thing but mm-hmm. i think it it tonally it differentiates them a little bit and i think what i was kind of trying to say is without putting too fine a point on it because I wanted to round back around to this. And this is probably a good place where I'll hand over to you to talk about some stuff. Mm-hmm. But the mattress stuff, that to me feels like the first movie. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Right, That's the stuff that's like, man, this is like intense and gross, but also like very primal is the word i used before yeah and just like this is like this is really getting at something and then when julia is still in her skinless state and interacting with dr chenard like those are maybe the most memorable moments of the movie for me yeah i I love the second i love the part 
the part where um they wrap her up in gauze like that looks it just yeah. looks cool there's so much <clears throat> and it may be a surface over like a style over substance thing here but there's so much that just looks great in this movie yeah and they, mm-hmm. it gets a lot of mileage for me out of just being visually really interesting to look at and yeah. that mattress sequence in particular is just like fucking incredible and it's like a really tough watch from beginning to end where he brings mm-hmm. that home that uh not home uh that uh patient in yeah and who is by has- the way played by oliver that's oliver smith sans skinless makeup so that's skinless frank from both oh movies. cool yeah mm-hmm. uh and like this he's like has like these purple boils on his chest mm-hmm. it, yeah. he's like looks like he's rotting which is already gross. And right. then him imagining the worms and the maggots on himself is also really gross. And then him slicing himself with a fucking straight razor and screaming is intensely like disturbing. Yeah. And then like Julia's bloody hands ripping through the mattress and grabbing. It's just, it's fucking awesome. Yeah. Like really like a really great scene. It is. And, and I'll also just call out that something that like, especially as a younger viewer that made it, even more tense is having Kyle in that room as yes. an observer. Yes. Right. And almost being discovered. Cause then it makes you feel like I'm watching. Cause it truly feels like a thing that you shouldn't be seeing. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny. My, my son almost walked in while I was watching it. Cause I was watching oh, on my computer <laughs> and I heard him coming. I'm like, wait, wait, don't come in here. He's like, why? I'm like, don't come in here. I don't want you to turn out like price. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like met, like minimize my browser, uh, which is a, you know, usually he doesn't catch me doing that, but I've had to do that with my wife. Mm. Minimize my browser really quick. Yeah. Um, I'll you tell you to see the gifts you're buying her. <laughs> <laughs> One of the things I wasn't so much of a fan of is uh-huh. uh, just kind of like learning the origins of pinhead. Okay. It's just, it wasn't that I was like against it. Mm-hmm. It's just like I don't know that it was necessary. I guess it's necessary for like the reveal, the, like the whole, mm-hmm. uh, you know, convincing Pinhead that he used to right. be a human. And I did think that like them, him zapping the Cenobites mm-hmm. like, out of existence was just a little felt lame uh, in a way that the rest of the movie wasn't. You didn't like the chatterer as a kid. I did like that the chatterer as a kid. I did like yeah. seeing their real their real selves, but like the whole, yeah. I don't know. There's something about it that just didn't really. I don't know. It just didn't really land with me mm-hmm. in the way that. I don't know. I I think it's I think it's towing a line mm-hmm. that on one side is exactly what you're saying, um, and I think it I think it really is very close to the line. Cause I do think that like that in that, that early sequence where we're not really introduced Harper. Is that his name? I think, uh, I think that maybe is, uh, pinheads, pinheads, real name. Oh, Elliot Spencer. Spencer, Spencer, Spencer. Yeah. It ended with an ER. It sounded British. Um, I think that that opening scene with Spencer is cool. It and is I cool. Think, it does look cool. And I think that, to your point, it's like, if we just left it there, I don't, I have no problem with it. I think I yes. think it's, it, it's like, what do you learn? Okay, it's like, based on his dress, he was like a, he's like either World War One or even like, you know, in, he's, is he an African, you know, colonizer in like the late 1800s or something? Yeah. Um, 
but I guess what part of me was hoping that he's even more ancient than that. You know what I mean? Sure. Whatever, well, yeah, and I like... wonder, but I mean, I also wonder if that's a thing where it's like it's a little bit of a disappointment to find out that these are all people who've become mm-hmm. Cenobites and they're not like some sort of ageless gods. Yeah, yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. That is, I think that is part of it. Okay. Although, like you said, that scene is pretty cool. It's mm. like more like the. The, the him, them getting zapped back to their normal selves was I don't know. There's something I think it's I think it's worth it for what we get out of it, but I agree that like a lot of like like significant parts of it don't work that well. Uh I did laugh when Kyle is like sneaking into <clears throat> Chernard's house mm-hmm. and he's looking at stuff. He has a really big reaction to seeing like the lament configurations on the table. He's like, Jesus Christ. Yeah. Oh, well, there's Jesus Christ. But does he even know what that is at that point? Uh, she's been talking about it. Yeah, I guess she's been right. talking about yeah. it. Yeah. yeah. But no, you're right. He plays it big. He plays, he plays it big. It big. Sure. Yeah. He's yeah. not great, I would say. No. Uh, he wasn't my favorite part of the movie. No, he's he's not the best. Um, What about... I? One of my very few notes... And this is a very open-ended note. It's a, a question that I didn't even answer. Uh-huh. I just wanted to talk about it. Uh, it says simply, giving Ashley Lawrence a lot more to do. Good yes. idea or no? I don't know. Yeah, it's it's it is because she's not like a powerhouse actress, right? Actor. She's uh, she's beautiful. Like she's so it's like it's it's nice to see her on camera, but <laughs> but like this fucking guy. <laughs> I, I guess it means like she's like appealing to watch. Like she's not like like fucking Larry from the last movie. <laughs> uh, but yeah, she's like maybe she does a. I will say she does a a fine job. She does an okay job for me. Yeah, she. I think I think that's probably how I feel. She does okay. It's not one of these things where it's like the problem with the movie is that yeah. Kirsty sucks. She doesn't suck. She's just, no. She doesn't suck. Yeah. Um, uh, Julia's better. Claire Higgins is better. You know, Are as, you as, more as attracted to her now, Eric? Not, no, not really. Well, so know. you're just wrong then. That's fine. Okay, so I don't know. She doesn't do much for me. I don't know. Sorry. No. Well, a lot of people disagree with you. I mean, I'm sure. I'm sure a lot of people saw this movie way too young. It kind of like a changed something in them. But uh, yeah, why don't you know. get on Twitter and just ask a bunch of normals, you know, who like <laughs> Hellraiser? She's not ugly. You know what I mean? She's not like a repulsive person, mm-hmm. but. No, she yeah. doesn't really do much for me. All right. Tune in next week for another episode of Eric comments on women's bodies. <laughs> you were asked. You asked me. I don't know what you're talking about. You got there on your own. <laughs> um, okay. Let's talk about Chenard. Chenard. Yeah. What are your thoughts? Uh, he's, he's good. He's, uh, I, I loved his Cenobite phase <laughs> like yeah he looks like what happens to him is pretty cool like uh-huh. uh our friend of the show and sometimes friend in real life uh jim hall hi jim uh <laughs> <laughs> he was talking about his transformation scene scarred him as a kid and i can see it's cool i, I really like yeah. that trans like being pumped full of like blue liquid and like mm-hmm. blood coming out and and just having the goopy organic version of the same essentially what lobotomizer that he's using early in the movie yeah in what is a pretty fucked up scene by the way that we didn't talk about 
but him doing his really yes, yeah. uh, indulgent um, brain surgery. Yeah, it's, <laughs> yeah, um, it's like brain surgery for like as an art form for him. Yeah, like like yeah, <laughs> it's like are people in the theater like jacking off or what? What's happening? I, I like know. the uh, stop motion tentacles too. That shit was really yes. Cool. I'm a big fan of those. Something I mean. I, I would be I would be lying if I didn't say there was some inspirations here for my forthcoming movie, but um, man, I said that in the douchiest way possible. Yeah, you really um, did. Yeah, yeah. Well, I was trying to like make fun of myself, but I didn't go far enough, so I just ended up sounding like the thing I was trying to make fun of. Um, <laughs> anyways, for Devil's Gate. Uh, I'm working with uh, with a VFX person and sending visual references and stuff just for kind of inspo. And, you know, we had talked about how in portraying hell as a location um, that I was less interested in trying to show something fiery um, and something more akin to this, which is almost sort of like the windy and sterile and yeah and, um and also like another inspiration that was talked about was the beyond which we watched last year i think mm-hmm. um and they have a, a kind of interesting hell in that movie as well as sort of just like a very gray landscape you know um yeah yeah it's like that really cool ending yeah yeah with like ashy bodies and shit like that that's cool mm-hmm mm-hmm um, I don't have a ton of more notes. I didn't write a lot of notes when I was watching this. I was kind of just watching it. Um, so yeah, like let's just do a podcast next week when I have some thoughts about it. No, no, I mean I have thoughts about it, but I don't have anything specific that. No, um, I know. I I was just making fun of you for saying that. You know, I was just watching it, man. I'm just like, <laughs> I'm just like, I'm just along vi- for the ride. I'm just vibing. <laughs> Everybody's trying to harsh my mellow, getting me to critique it. Trying to make me do stuff. I loved Julia's look when she has that white suit on. Like yes. she's like all getting it all bloody and just it, it's so she really looks really, very cool. How do I talk about this without making it seem troubling for people? But that image, while I wouldn't say it's sexually arousing, it's confusing. I get you. I get what you mean. It's like young Rhea Perlman. <laughs> if you watch some old episodes of cheers like early episodes of cheers when she's uh dripping with blood Rhea perlman can get it it's sexually confusing to me <laughs> oh i see what you're saying it's like you're Rhea perlman i thought you were saying that she looks like Re- young Rhea perlman no 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 no, no. i'm saying she, that my my equivalent to that is is yeah. young Rhea perlman yeah yeah and i mean we got a little bit of this in the first movie but i think this one they they put more emphasis on it but like that first kiss with her and Shenard, um i feel like it almost makes you start at least for me in the back of your head it like you start to entertain that idea from the first movie that doesn't get talked about much here which is that intermingling of pain and pleasure mm-hmm. um and and we talked last week about you know sensitivity right how it's like well having no skin it's like nothing could be more sensual because it's like you're feeling every nerve in your body. And the thinking about that in the context of like kissing someone, uh, is really, uh, wild. It's, it's, it's fucked up. 
in a way yeah. that I think is pretty interesting. I think that's probably a good way to describe this movie. I think it's fucked up in a way that I find interesting. I think it's very fair. Um, looking over my my notes. Um, yeah, the chatterer being a kid is pretty cool. It's pretty interesting. <laughs> I'm glad you think so. Um, effects wise, just generally speaking. Oh yeah, yeah. I was into the effects. I think they're very very cool. Um, yeah. So like I said, all this stop motion stuff, the Chenard kind of weird design with that like dick tentacle coming out of his head. <laughs> it was really cool. Um, in the gore, like the the bloody bodies and stuff, they're. Yeah. Although you can tell that it's like a suit on top of somebody, like I'll take that over just like a sure. CGI person. It know? doesn't. I don't mind that it's a suit because it's covered in fake blood. Yes, right. Yeah. It's not made to look bloody. It is bloody. Like, yeah. you know, when when man with with the slipping and sliding around on the mattress and that stuff, it's just yeah, like, holy shit. You know, uh, that's some intense stuff. And also, I mean, it's pretty, I don't know. It's pretty, it's pretty entertaining. It's pretty cool. Um, I'm trying to think there was like one. Of, oh, we didn't really talk about Tiffany. I, I forgot to mention Tiffany. Oh yeah. Tiffany. We didn't yeah. really talk about her. Imogen Borman is her yeah. name. She didn't do, she did a little bit of acting in the eighties, but that was about it. Um, yeah. How, how did you feel about her character and her performance? I'll say I liked her performance more than I exactly liked the necessity for her character. Mm-hmm. I didn't quite feel like the, that that I mean that just feels like a trope. It just feels like something that would be in a Stephen King book or something. You know? <laughs> yeah, it does. Um, yeah, magical autistic girl. Or exactly. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but I think she's like very striking to look to mm-hmm. like in the movie. Yeah. Like she looks cool. Uh, so it, I, that made it a little like go down a little bit easier. Um, yeah, and I think she handles the having almost no dialogue yeah pretty exactly. well like she mm-hmm. she has big reactions but that's good because she's not really saying much and then it also does provide the opportunity for a classic horror movie gag that i always enjoy which is when when the chenard cenobite bursts into the hospital room at the end of the movie after they've gotten out of the labyrinth you know she just goes shit and starts oh, running yeah, yeah. away. Yeah, yeah. that was cool. Like, yeah, and I like good. that like whole bloodbath there. Like Chenard ripped through yeah. everybody. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Thanks for bringing up Tiffany. I didn't really. Uh... Yeah. If you uh, anything else you want to want to discuss, or should we get to uh, some deaths? Um. Yeah. I guess we can move on. It. You know. It feels weird because it's like uh, all the stuff where this is connected to my my youth and it goes so deep i feel like oh we're just gonna we're just gonna move on i guess okay uh, yeah i mean i guess we have to keep going um but you know i could talk about this for ages oh i will say um the lament configuration stuff i like how they moved that forward in mm-hmm. a way where it's like you know, once you see somebody open the box, it's like, okay, cool. So they open the box and the Cenobites come and it's like, what else are you going to do with it? And it sounds dumb, but just like having it turn into a different shape is, you know, like. It's pretty cool. It's kind of cool. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah and Le- uh, and like, because it is like Leviathan, it turns right. into. Uh, mm-hmm. And the the black beams coming out of Leviathan, I thought it just like, looks really cool. Uh, yeah, it's, it's like a, a lighthouse, idea. but with darkness instead of light. Yeah. I was really into that. Yeah. 
Yeah. Um, so we have a police officer who shoots a desiccated corpse. Doesn't count. Thing's already dead. Um, but then uh, we get the patient slicing himself with a razor who gets killed by Julia, um, who bursts out of the mattress and like reaches back into his head and drains him. We get a whole bunch of people hanging from chains that Julia has drained off camera. Kyle himself gets his balls drained by Julia. I mean, he gets his whole body drained, but also that includes his balls. I also, I do enjoy how much he's just like, this lady is hitting on me, so I'm going yeah. to l- yeah, let like my guard conflicted. down completely. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that is pretty funny. Um, Chenard gets, uh, when he gets, I mean, this isn't a death, but he, when he gets transformed, his face gets piano wired, and then uh, he gets like throated by a monster tentacle. <laughs> um, a dude gets shredded by a centibite doctor by oh oh by Chenard. Um, the female centibite gets a knife snake through the throat. Oh yeah, we didn't talk about that section. Like the the uh, the when the centibites are dispatched, mm-hmm. the like tentacles turn into like projectile snake arrows. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. His tentacles are multi-purpose, uh, and they they get the job done. My favorite one is the eyeball that then a knife comes out of the eyeball. (laughs) (laughs) You thought this was bad. Yeah. Uh, And then ditto for Butterball and the Chatterer. Pinhead um, then goes back to Elliot Spencer and then gets his throat slit. And then the doctor himself gets his head ripped in half. Um, And then finally the moving guy gets pulled into the mattress. What was your favorite death, Mike? Um, well, there's a lot of great stuff in here, and there were a couple deaths that really struck me this time through. But because I'm an honest man, I have to go with, dare I say, one of my favorite deaths of all time, just because of uh, my personal connection to it. But, uh, yeah, uh, Julia coming out of the mattress, yeah, is to me that's the that is the central set piece of this whole movie. Yeah. Uh, at least in terms of impact. So I'm going to go with that. Uh, yeah, that was also um, my favorite. Oh, I didn't count Frank. I forgot Frank. Uh, Frank dies somehow. I forget. Yeah. That um, scene is that scene is a great example of uh, we'll get we'll get there. But when I was talking about plot and script stuff. It's yeah. Like yeah. That whole sequence. Um, yeah, I'll I'll give a shout out to um, Doctor Chenard's getting his half of his head ripped off. That's the other one I was thinking of. Yeah, it's really cool. It's gross. Like the blood's like black, right? Black and blue, I think. Black and yeah. blue, yeah, yeah, and red all over. Um, zombie thumbs up or down? Is this movie gory? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, this yeah. is amongst one of the goriest movies we've ever covered on the show. Yeah. I would say, yeah, because we don't do a whole lot of like dare you know level of gore movies just because you don't see that in a lot of franchises although yeah there's a new franchise of cooking that i guess we could take a look at in a year or so um which one which is one of the goriest uh ever made is my understanding terrifier, terrifier movies yeah. Oh, yeah i've seen those uh they're gory they're pretty gory yeah. um ghost thumbs up or down mike is this movie scary um grading on a curve against everything else that we do yes yes this is a scary movie or people go to hell yeah. and 
come popping out of mattresses covered in blood. It's it's intense. It's scary. I agree. Finally, okay. it was a drill chill. Oh, fuck. Somebody gave me one. Oh, really? Uh, it was Ross. Ross had one. Um, you want to text him? I think I... it was fulfill, like fulfill, fulfill your wedding vows. <laughs> was that it? Maybe. <laughs> and you're fulfilled by your partner. Okay. Yeah. All right, yeah. All right. I, I think we can just do a different one every week at this point. So yeah. yeah. Well, I'm gonna do. I'm gonna stick with thrill. <laughs> what? Oh no, no, no. Okay, fine, fine. Uh, drill, no, chill, or fulfill, want. as in you fulfill your want. wedding vows. No, I'm into it. Okay. Uh, thanks, Ross, for that. Um, I'll go first because I feel like you're gonna have a bunch to say, and I'll get <laughs> sorry. Out of the way so sorry can, about uh, that. Talk for an extended period of time. Um, <laughs> first on fucking uh, podcast on first, <laughs> yeah, I mean, the, the kind of the whole reason for it, yeah, <laughs> being uh-huh. an audio, yeah. Uh, it's my first time watching Hellraiser, Hellra- uh, Hellbound, Hellraiser two. Let's get it right. Let's not get it twisted here. I really liked it. Um, I think it's visually stunning. I think it's gory as hell, surprising in a certain like that mattress kill got the closest I've come in a long time to being properly jump scared. Um, it's gross. It's uncomfortable in a lot of ways. This, these two movies in this one also, um, just have a really grimy, gross, squishy. They make you feel uncomfortable and unclean watching, which I think Mm -hmm. is very cool. Yeah. Uh, Cenobites continue to be very interesting, designed and all that hell stuff i think is just visually stunning and uh the mc escher-esque labyrinth and who can forget my main man La- uh, leviathan <laughs> <laughs> levi shout out levi i'm giving this one a fulfill nice. mike what say you <laughs> doesn't that just feel right fulfill. it actually does yeah okay right uh thank you peter or maybe for the fill, other two. Fill, uh, fill with yeah, no, fill, fill, fill with what? Fill with love. <laughs> oh, okay, <laughs> like the physical manifestation of love, or just love? Uh, yes, to both. Okay, great. Um, so, 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 yeah. Well, I just wanted before I forget, you were talking about appreciating the labyrinth of hell, and uh, and you got to shout out. Uh, some some matte painters hard at work on this one. Yeah, some good um, matte paintings, which is always nice to see. Um, I think that might just have to be a thing in my movies if I ever get to make more. I think I'm just gonna do matte paintings. Um, would it be cool <laughs> if you did like a fucking AI, like you did the art through AI, but then you like print like you printed it on like some glass or something, and then did matte painting with a with like an AI image. Yeah. I'll say um, for as much as I am against AI, I think some instances where it is interesting is in the horror realm, getting some really nightmarish looking Mm -hmm. creatures that like kind of border on uncanny Valley. And I wonder if there is an ethical in way to 
incorporate that. And I guess maybe it is what you're saying as in like interpreting something that is AI created mm-hmm. and then making it physically real in some yeah. way. Yeah. The bigger issue with AI is just that we know for a fact that it's sourcing a lot of its inspiration from artists who are Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. 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 So that's not so great. We're against that here at Killstreak. Um okay. So obviously perhaps more so I think probably than any other movie we'll ever cover, this is one where it'll be a little difficult for me to to speak unbiased about this movie because it's just too embedded in the core of my horror movie fandom and possibly being too precocious uh, for many years and, and, and having dark thoughts and stuff that I never acted on. Um, not those <laughs> kinds of dark thoughts, you know? Anyways. Oh, um <laughs> one day they they were just quiet again um so um you know and just an example of that is uh you know you talking about the jump scare of the mattress and i was like oh god yeah like what if like if you didn't know that was going to happen that's that's probably pretty awesome yeah um <clears throat> you know so it's one of those things where um you know, to a certain degree, it's like asking me to review, you know, Back to the Future or something. Which, honestly, yeah, prob- it is tough yeah. with these movies that are so like ingrained with right. our own like, yeah, experience. Yeah. yeah, but you know, in my uh, attempt to to give it to you straight, I think that um, in a vacuum, or not even in a vacuum, but just like taken as a solo piece. There's this this is a movie that's just doing a lot more than it has to 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 exist to get by. I mean, that's something that we just know about the horror genre is that, you know, the bare minimum can be very, very bare at times. Um, And this is a movie that has a lot more going on. Um, And I think that it's chock full of ideas and images that are super memorable and super creative. Um, and it has some incredible set pieces and the only, the only really real criticism that I would level against it is, it's just like kind of what I was saying in the beginning, I think it could be more abstract or, uh, and, and I think it would serve the movie. Um, because there's, you know, there's just like there's stuff that just doesn't really make sense or fit together. Um, what are people's actual story arcs and that sort of thing? You know, it's like my memory of some of the things that happen in this movie is like cleaner and clearer than what actually happens. Right. Like mm. to me, I was like, oh, yeah, Shenard, his like his whole thing was like he wanted to become, uh, you know, a, a Cenobite or something like that. It's like, this is kind of his sick obsession and he has all the lament configurations and he's been studying this, but then, you know, to have it get to where it's like, well, no, but it's like more dramatic. If Julia has to like shove him into the evil box, mm-hmm. because that's just like more like what a, what a scary scene would be like when in, in my mind, it's like, ah, it's probably more interesting if like everything else up to this point that he walked willingly into this, this was, yeah, this is the fucked up shit that he wanted. That. Yeah. Um, like I mentioned the Frank stuff with, 
with the flames and all that. And it's just, you know, it's, it's very, it's sort of a scatter shot of what you're going to get once, especially once you're into the labyrinth. Um, you know, she goes in with this whole thing of like, I got to find my dad. I'm going to rescue my dad, which is kind of a pretty big loose end. And it's just like, there's an opportunity to maybe play a little bit more with the kind of fairy tale aspect of that, right? That you're like mm-hmm. going into this strange place and you're trying to rescue someone. And instead she just kind of gets derailed like a third of the way through. And then it's a, it's not really talked about much after that. Yeah. Um, and you know, like you said, there is a little cheesiness to the, um, the final showdown with the Cenobites and Chenard. Um, and, uh, and, you know, it, it gets a little quippy and that sort of thing. But these are, you know, these are in the interest of, 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 of giving an, a, as objective a criticism as I can. These are the things that I think are, are flawed. Um, but on balance, the whole movie is just so interesting. And, and, and honestly, like, I think that's the thing is it's just it's like it, it is very much a worthy successor to the first movie in that this isn't like an, any other movie you've seen, right? This isn't just like, hey, this isn't a lazy sequel. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's also just, you know, even though Barker's not directing, you know, with his story and with the vision of everyone else who worked on this movie, it's still this crazy well of creativity and dark, you know, imagery. And and it's just, it's really nuts. And And I think even if I was watching it for the first time, this week I would still be impacted by it. And so, yeah, even though it has a handful of flaws, it's a, a no brainer fulfill for me as well. All right. Well, with that, let's hear a word from our sponsors. I'm talking wet pets in San Pablo. Where fish and lizards hang out with cats and chinchillas, kick back with hamsters and dogs, parakeets, rabbits, and scorpions. One stop, one shop, we got it all. Any pet you can get and take home. Best pet products and best pet food. Best pet service is wet pets for you. W E T P E T S. W E T P E T S. Wet pets and Pablo. All right, we're back. Um, I wanted to do a little segment that is featuring evil horror movie doctors so we're gonna play a little game here i'm gonna My, guess you're inspired by dr chenard from this movie who's, i was inspired who's, by dr. A, who's a very um he's not a good doctor no i would say he's a very bad doctor he's, he's yeah he's trying to play god that dr chenard i wouldn't trust him um so mike what i'm gonna do is i'm gonna read sometimes lengthy uh excerpts from reviews okay. of movies that feature doctors, evil doctors. Not necessarily, I mean, not always evil, but you know, horror movies that feature horror doctors. movie doctors. And, okay. um, I'm going to give you one that's a little less vague. And then I'm sorry, one that's a little vague and one that's a little more pointed. And within two, you're going to have to guess, you know, right. But I, can guess, I get, I get like extra get, street cred if I get it on the first yeah, one. Right? Exactly. Exactly. Do you want to do you want to um, dole out to me an arbitrary number of points that I am receiving in competition? Yeah, you get with two no if one? you get it on the first guess, and one if okay. you get it on the second guess. Great. Okay. Excellent. Okay. Here we go. 
Here I'm we go. ready. Let's do it. First one. This comes from Roger Ebert's review. One of the most boring experiences on earth is a trash movie without the courage of its lack of convictions. If it only wants to be cynical, it becomes lifeless in every moment. A bad dream on the screen. One of the pleasures of the movies, however, is to find a movie that chooses a disreputable genre and then tries with all its might to transcend the genre to go over the top into some kind of artistic vision, however weird. We have been assaulted by a lurid imagination, amazed by unspeakable sights, blindsided by the movie's curiously dry sense of humor. I guess that's our money's worth. So it was mm. a favorable review for this movie. Um, I'm going to go with my gut on this one. Because mm-hmm. something about this just struck a note with me. Is he talking about Dead Ringers? Oh, I'm sorry. Oh, okay. All right, you want to hear the next uh, the next clue? Yeah, go ahead and give it to me. All right, that would have been uh, so badass if I'd gotten it right. That would have been. That would have been. Uh, the directors he names the director, so like their movie Blank is a pleasure like that, a frankly gory horror movie that finds a rhythm and style that make it work in a cockeyed, offbeat sort of way. Is it Reanimator. It is Reanimator. Yeah, yeah, makes sense. Yeah, I was I was torn because his striving for artistic vision thing. I feel like that's like a little over over what Reanimator is doing. Totally. Yeah. 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 Okay. Okay. Next up, one. I have one point. You have one point. (laughs) I'll keep track for you. No horror film I've seen inflicts more terrible things on its victims than blank. You wouldn't have to be very brave to choose this ordeal over simply being murdered. Oh, sorry. You would have to be very brave to choose this ordeal over simply being murdered. Maybe you'd also need to be insane. Hmm. Do you want me to read that again? Yeah, let's let's hear it one more time. No horror film I've seen inflicts more terrible things on its victims than blank. You would have to be a very... Sorry, I keep adding a, I keep adding a, a word there. You would have to be very brave to choose this ordeal over simply being murdered. Maybe you need to also be insane. Okay. So you have to be crazy to choose this ordeal. Yeah, to choose he, what is happens he talking in, about the audience or the people he's talking, in the movie? I guess he's talking he's talking about the characters in the movie. Okay. If you were to choose between simply being murdered or simple or going through what happens in this movie, it would I guess you would choose being murdered, which is It sounds like a, a really bad doctor. A no-brainer. It's it's I mean, well, there's one that I'm just going to have locked and loaded this entire time, mm-hmm. but I don't want to like deploy it too early because then it won't be cool if I get it right. Uh, so, I don't know. Am I a total wimp to just say, I don't know, and pass to the next right. clue? Next clue. Blank is a mad scientist. He was once a respected surgeon, 
but has now retreated to his luxurious home in the German wow. forest, huh. which contains an operating what? room in the basement. What? what? <laughs> that was a that was a hell of a second. <laughs> um. So he's. I assume he's talking about Mary Shelley's Frankenstein, or just the original Frankenstein. Is that your guess? Well, whose review is this? Roger Ebert. Yeah, I'm gonna go with Mary Shelley's Frankenstein. Um, sorry, Mike. He's talking about Doctor Hyder from Human Centipede. <laughs> what? <laughs> <laughs> what? Yep. Uh, I guess you've never seen Human. I've Centipede. never seen Human Centipede. That's pretty wild. Yeah. Wow. Uh, I think he gave it one star. Okay. All right, next up. Now, this is from the Chicago Readers, not Ebert. Uh, he didn't review this one. Okay, here it is. A bewildering mixture of ambitiousness and tripe. This latest version of the 1896 author's name, sci-fi horror classic, shows some aspirations of being truer to the philosophical drift of the original than either of the, and I'm doing a little editorializing here, than either of the two previous film versions uh, <laughs> shit can you read the first half again yep a bewildering mixture of ambitiousness and tripe this latest version of the 1896 author's sci-fi classic horror classic okay. shows some aspirations of being truer blah 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 <sighs> Um, either of the previous two film versions. Is it Mary Shelley's Frankenstein? <laughs> I'm sorry, no, but here's the next wow. piece of the review. Oh, man. You're a real dildo. This version stars Blank as the mad doctor experimenting with DNA to create strange beasts on a remote Pacific island. The island of Dr. Moreau. That was the other thing I was thinking of in my defense. I had it in the back of my head. It is the island of Dr. Moreau, so uh, right now you have two points. Because uh, you did not get... You got oh, Reanimator I... on the second guess, this one on the second guess, and missed uh, Human Centipede. That's right. Okay. Entirely. All right. Final one. Fucking asshole. I hope you've seen this movie. Because... Uh, yeah. Daddy's crime was killing seven people and cutting their hearts out in order to attempt the world's first heart transplant on his wife, who had a bum ticker. This is from Variety. Okay. Um, well, I still got my one in the chamber, and yep. there's no time to deploy it like now. Yep. Eric, is this Dr. Giggles? Boom. Dr. <laughs> Giggles. Yes. You got it. Four points. All right. Out of a possible six. I'll take it. Eight. Do you want to hear the second uh, piece of the review just for? Yeah, funsies? let's hear it. With blanks, with blank spitting out a nonstop barrage of unfunny medical one-liners, blank operates mainly on the level of killing people grotesquely with medical instruments. Director Manny Cotto comes Manny up with Cota. some impressive set pieces along the way, notably one of several homages to Orson Welles in a wow. corridor of mirrors that's well suited. To film to film's widescreen format. <laughs> <laughs> wow! Yeah, what a review. Yeah, I saw that movie. I saw that on VHS. Uh, I think when it was a fairly new release, and that's the only time I ever saw it. 
Yeah, that that is a a lost. Yeah, you don't hear much about people um, about Doctor Giggles. I I thought that was the is it, he's not a dentist in that. No, you're thinking of Corbin Burnson in The Dentist. That is what I'm thinking of. Yeah. Yeah. Thirty one years ago, Doctor Giggles years. came out. Yeah. Man, how time passes. That's okay. Fucked up. Thanks for joining us here on another exciting episode of Killstreak. You can reach out to us on our socials uh, on Instagram at KillstreakPod. You can email us, KillstreakPod at gmail.com. Leave us a voicemail in the show notes. Um, And next week we are going to be covering Hellraiser 3, uh, which I will be watching on a DVD that Mike bought me of the next four five how many i think how many are on there four yeah next four hellraisers so i am locked and loaded for those yeah but that is streaming it looks like it's a rental on um all the usual suspects yeah uh and maybe you can if you have direct tv it's a on-demand thing for yeah. them it may or may not be edited for content on direct tv i've had that ah. i've had that happen before so i can't say um and as i am pulling here we are and as always get them off me